0: Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and my guest today is Latoya Watkins, author of the powerful debut novel Parish, about a Black Texan family exploring the effects of inherited trauma and intergenerational violence as the family comes together to say goodbye to their matriarch on her deathbed. Texas Monthly says with Parrish, Watkins joins a tradition of Southern writers who delve into the taboo and grotesque to expose a dark past and a dim backtracking present like Walker's The Color Purple and Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Parish lures readers past the pain with a spellbid- spellbinding buoyant use of language. And another rave review from the New York Times Book Review calls Parrish a tender story of silences and secrets. It's a novel about coming home, despite that home being broken. And it's a brave triumph of a novel that readers won't forget long after finishing it. I do want to let listeners know before we get started that the book does delve into some pretty difficult topics, including um, the trauma of sexual abuse. So if that's not something you're in a mental space um, to kind of be thinking about or hear discussed, um, you might want to switch to another episode. Um, a bit more about the author, Latoya Watkins' writing has appeared in A Public Space, The Sun, McSweeney's, Kenyon Review, the Pushcart Prize Anthology, and elsewhere. She's received grants, scholarships, and fellowships from the Breadloaf Writers Conference, McDowell Colony, Hedgebrook, and A Public Space. She holds a PhD from the University of Texas at Dallas, and Parrish is her debut novel. Latoya Watkins, welcome to A Bookish Home. Thank you for being here, and congratulations on the book.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here to discuss it.
0: I have been seeing Parrish everywhere, and it's been getting um, these wonderful reviews. And as we kind of heard, you're getting compared to these amazing writers. And so I'm just, it's so exciting. And I'm I'm just glad to get to kind of hear more about the process for writing the book and how it's all been going. But to start for listeners who haven't gotten to pick up Parrish yet, can you just tell us a little bit more about the novel and the characters we meet in it?
1: Yes. Okay. So Parrish is the story of this family in Texas, a black family, um, and explores like the effects of this trauma and kind of intergenerational, um, violence all at the same time, this family is coming together. They're somewhat estranged and they're coming together to say goodbye to their very powerful, uh, matriarch. And there are a lot of things that they kind of uncover and um, revisit that force them to have to consider how they will move forward as a family and as individuals.
0: I thought the sort of structure of the book was powerful and getting to kind of be in the different family members' heads. And I wondered if you kind of knew right away that that's how you wanted to tell the story or at the beginning, maybe it was just Helen Jean. I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of the early stages of the book and how you figured out the structure. The book started out as a novella, actually. Oh, interesting. Um,
1: Yeah. And it was the first thing I think I ever wrote in a writing workshop. Um, And I kind of folded it up. It was a it was one of those, it was that first thing. So it was very raw and pure in a way, because I didn't know a lot about craft or publishing or audience, all of these, these things that we learn along the way. I had no, I wasn't kind of writing to those things. So this is why I say that it was a pure work and it's probably the only work um, that I created without those things. So when it was time to, probably about seven years after I wrote it, I was thinking about, I was working on another novel actually But I kept thinking about the characters from this novel. And I think they kept making their way into this novel where they didn't belong. So I decided to go back to that story and flesh that out into a novel. But in the beginning, as a novella, it was only one perspective. There were two characters um, that I was exploring in that one perspective, but it was Jan and Lydia. Helen
0: Jean was kind of in the background during that period. Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, the the setting of the book, I read in an interview, you said, I feel like I didn't know Texas, even though I've always been here until I started to look at her and traveled through her and feel her. I didn't understand her beauty. Did you know right away that you wanted it set in Texas? And I guess how does the setting, how did that kind of factor into like the development of the novel and, and even just capturing the setting how did you kind of go about that I, now that is a
1: thing that i knew from the beginning i knew i wanted it in texas set in texas and i knew i wanted to look at texans if e- even if the book if the story if the characters decided to migrate or go somewhere else i wanted them to be Texans and to carry with them the Texas that I was exploring while I was researching and writing this book. And the reason that I said that I didn't know it and I didn't understand her beauty is because I don't think I had, well, I know I hadn't um, been out of Texas a whole lot before I reached adulthood. Like I didn't come, I don't come from a family where we took family vacations, Mm -hmm. where we had these cross country trips or anything like that. So when I started to travel as an adult and leave Texas is when I started to understand how different the culture is here. And I wanted to kind of explore it as a place. So I started to see more of it. Texas is so big that I think the hardest part was coming up with a region of Texas to set the story in, right? There are so many different histories in each region that create um, the, the region that informed the way that community and um, family, all of these different things are shaped and function. And I think that was the most difficult part, um, kind of throwing a rock and seeing where it landed in Texas, as opposed to setting it somewhere else. Like it was always a given that I would um, explore history and kind of discuss it by rooting it in some some of the past, but mostly the present, looking at the way Texas has shaped these people, these characters.
0: That's so interesting. And about kind of not seeing the place you're from until you've you've had a chance to leave. I, I can very much relate to that. Well, I I would love to hear. I'm always interested in sort of the research process. And I know you mentioned kind of some being in the past and um, the bulk being more in the present, but what kind of research did you do? And I know as I was kind of reading, um, you said something about how the, the women you spoke to were, were sharing much more of like their stories than the men. And I, am just kind of curious about some of those dynamics and and your research process.
1: Yeah, they were always happy. and, and and I guess when I was specifically thinking about Parish as a book and I was talking to people, that was the case. The book actually started out, I was actually, when I was, what led me to this particular story is I wanted to write a story about, I had read this story, found this cult-like um, database, stumbled across it and was looking at different cults and there was one that was a couple of hours outside of where i am in dallas fort worth and i just kind of started digging around for that and ran into some um people that i knew who could get me sit me let, allow me give me these opportunities to sit down with people who had escaped the cult um And I was able to sit down and these were men and women. I was able to sit down and talk to them, but I was much more interested. I mean, I think that their stories were um, incredible stories, incredibly had done some incredibly brave things to get away from um, what they had been um, kind of immersed in. But I was more interested in where they came from, um, how they came to be. And a a part of such a community and like how those um, fears that they had when I spoke to them, like were shaped. How, what had happened to make them um, go to such um, lengths to find themselves? Um, So a lot of them came from the area that I set the story in because after talking to them and finding out where they were from, I kind of went to those places, um, visited their hometowns, visited their communities, um, and then visited the communities that were um, kind of opposite those communities, right? Like West Texas is a fairly segregated place. Um, it's pretty pretty segregated as far, and by race in ways that a lot of other um places in Texas aren't as in such a, I don't know, a defined way, a defined and accepted way, right? Um, that has been the case since the inception of a lot of counties and um, towns there. So I I was interested in kind of that and did a lot of going to churches, asking for archives. I went to libraries and looked at newspaper articles and found things like um, in Lubbock, for instance, in Lubbock, Texas, East Lubbock, like the first case of a kidnapping um, and what life was like the day before that and the day after, like how things such as Um, neighbor and community were made and then how race came into play in that way, just by looking at um, stories and seeing what was normal for people and what was abnormal, like what was newsworthy. And then I, again, talked to, you know, made connections with churches and um was able to sit down and interview quite a, a few people and talk to them about um, their lives and family histories and where I could find more information on on them.
0: One of the things, as as you're thinking about sort of the research and getting to know people in the community, I also read that you talked about wanting to explore motherhood in the book and the whole idea of like who carries the history and even wanting to become a mother, not wanting to become a mother. Yeah.
1: I think that was one of the most, um, that was the one of the most striking parts, um, or discoveries because it was so close to what I knew, um, as a person, as a Texan, as a woman, right. Um, like how charged the role is. And, um, how a lot of times, like I didn't, for me, I didn't feel prepared, um, for motherhood most, but it wasn't until I was in it and growing in it, like each year, even as my kids reached adulthood, like I wasn't prepared for these things because we didn't talk about them. You just become them. So to, um, go out into the world and hear women who had been born decades before me kind of, you know, navigate or explore in conversation these same ideas that I'd never spoken about, um, was quite fascinating. And they were the ones carrying the stories. Um, I would talk to the men were very generous, um, but they weren't talkative, right? Like most of the time we didn't get past their names. There was um uh, there were a lot of times when I think you could even see grimaces on um, their faces as 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 the women around them told stories that weren't necessarily theirs to tell, right? Because they didn't want to tell their stories. They wanted mm. to tell everyone else's stories almost in a gossipy way, which I was there for. Um, Because that's also a part of the story. Like if we think about the character that um, who Helen Jean was. Her story was something that she didn't share a whole lot, but she was in everyone else's business um, quite a bit. And and I think I got that from my research, like that kind of my characters i wanted these women to be what i had seen out there um in the world and and as close to just my medic of of what life you know is and that i think that that was that was one of the biggest things like who gets to tell these stories so at first it was a book about women um or not a book about women, but a book told, a story told by women. Um, I think in its first kind of completed draft, that's what it was. Um, because the the early, uh, co- early drafts of the book, they were told in many perspectives. I think the first draft when I decided to make it a novel was 19 perspectives. Um, but the men some of those sections, some of those perspectives were very empty because um, that's what my conversations were like with the men um, that I was able to talk to in in that region. So I, in, in going back and revising and editing over time, I realized that some of those things didn't need to be there, that their absence would tell the story or... Um, having that single male narrator would tell the story in a way that those voices being there and saying that not, saying nothing, you know, like those couldn't do the job that the comp- entire absence could do.
0: That's so interesting. Well, that's making me wonder too. I'm kind of curious about what the most difficult part of writing the book was. And I wondered just as a reader, you know, some of it is just, you know, very difficult um, to read and, you know, kind of occupying the headspace of someone who's, you know, dealing with the trauma of abuse or someone who, you know, is an abuser themselves. And I wondered if that was a really difficult part, having to kind of occupy that headspace all the time. And just if that was like a very, I just would imagine that being a very heavy feeling to sort of be going around with during sort of years of writing.
1: I think um that part was I think because I do I I I call myself a method writer. So being becoming the character As much as I possibly can, like actually dressing as the character would dress, acting as the character would, responding to the world, actually taking on the character is something that I do. And I started doing it without knowing that I was doing it. And I think it's important to make the writing, like writing. Um, that is this hard or for readers, it's really hard, but the writing has to be bearable and it has to be something, these have to be worlds that you can live in families that you can live with for, like you said, years. So I think it had to, I had to become the characters, um, in order for it to just be life. Right. Um, Sometimes, when we are a part of something, it's and, and and we kind of move past it. We look back and don't even understand how we made it through. It was so difficult. Mm. Um, while we were going through it, like, how did I ever get through this? You know, year of life, or when I went through, uh, like, going through grief. How did I make it through the death of this loved one, or whatever it is? So for these characters in this world, these people in Jerusalem, this was life. So there was nothing else that they knew outside of it when they were going through it. But in hindsight, trying to go back and uncover what happened or what made them like, that's the hardest part, right? Because you actually lived it and there's some confusion or um, shock around that Fact alone. So I, to answer that, I think living that or being that character, um, be it abuser or abused, made that um, kind of bearable. So readers are spending, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks with them, um, but I had to become them for. A, a few years and actually be immersed, be a part of that society and know nothing else in order to for that to come easy um, to me, that writing that living with that. Now, that's not to say it was easy because the research, research around that type of trauma, research around um, sexual abuse and mental health like that is that's nightmares uh, were made yeah. um, from that. But I could um, handle it because I had taken on um, this world and those characters and kind of became um, that stuff, if that makes sense to you.
0: No, that, that does. And that whole idea of method writing, I think is really interesting. And I guess that makes me wonder, you know, you're um, starting to interact with, um, readers of the book. I know, I think I saw you were just at the Texas book festival, and I guess I'm kind of wondering twofold as you were writing kind of what you hoped readers were going to take away. And then, um, I guess now kind of what sticks out to you that, um, readers have been saying to you as, as they've read the book and are able to kind of share what it's meant to them or, or any particular insights, I guess.
1: You know, I didn't, um, when, it, when I said that this was like the the raw, the pure thing um, from my writing. So I think I went back to this one because the core of the story was there. And with the things that um, were taking place, the subject matter, I, I didn't really think about the reader a whole lot. I just wanted to tell these stories. And I think in the back of my mind, I had been told um, I had been trained in my kind of in the workshops that I might just be one of those writers who um, loves writing and keeps writing. But the, the, what I write about might be too heavy um, and unappealing to, Sell and be read or to be published and out there in the world. So I think kind of setting my expectations in a way that um, I just have to get these characters out, um, even if nobody ever reads it. And I think after. After, like, I I had an editor and the book was going to be published, I started thinking about it. So going back and making the revisions that I needed to make in order to um, like offering levity in places was the was the one thing because I realized that it was a heavy book. So the one thing that I wanted to do was make sure that there were places to land and that there was there was love and that there was light here. In this book, um, for readers, so that they could, um, I don't get through some of the the pain of the book and see the love there. Um, yeah. See this. See this as not just a a story of redemption, but a love story, um, and how love can be. Um, kind of misformed and broken if um, people don't know how to do it um, and if they have been um, misformed and broken. So I think that's what I wanted to give was just this idea that love looks um, different in different conditions and in different places.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um and yeah, I guess then just that that second, has anything stood out to you in terms of interactions with readers as you've been kind of out on tour and doing events and things?
1: Yeah, actually, you, you mentioned the Texas um, Book Festival. I had a reader come through my line and she was like, I'm here because my pastor told us to read your book.
0: Um, oh, wow
1: he raved about um, the themes of this book and the importance of this book and the love in this book. And I've had, I think that was the most surprising. That was the thing I wanted to do. But after I created the book and I was no longer, the book was written and I was no longer part of the world. Like I had some time from it. I read it and, the thing that I wanted to readers to see the love, like I had a hard time. I was like, Oh, they're going to hate these characters. This is, you know, these are, this is, this is a tough story, but I think that's been the most delightful thing is how many people have seen that. Um, because that was what I wanted.
0: Yeah. It's so nice to get to, um, then qu- kind of see what the book does out in the world and um, and to also now be able to interact in person with readers and, and get to kind of hear the reactions and everything. Um, well, I, I always love to hear what authors have been reading themselves. Are there any books you'd want to recommend to listeners? Um, Of course. I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, This in 2022, I've read some really kind of great books. Um, Olga Dies Dreaming was one that I really fell in love with. Um, Stories from the Tenants Downstairs by Sadiq Fafana. I thought that that was a, a really strong. Um, collection. I read and listened to uh, Jean Ho's Fiona and Jane. I thought that that was a strong um, book. And right now I'm reading a book um, in its galley copy. Um, I think it comes out in February of next year. Um, Welcome to the Kingdom by Mai Nardone. And it's a story collection and it's beautiful. Um, I've been a fan of they're writing for a really long time. And I am so glad that this book is um, being made available to the world.
0: Oh, wonderful. I'll definitely have to link to all of those. It's always nice to, to get some more recommendations. And I guess just lastly, I know this has sort of just, just come out, but I'm curious if you have been writing the next project or if there's anything you can say about kind of what comes next.
1: I am I am writing the next um novel project or, or I'm re- I'm in the research my favorite part of it I'm in the research um session of part of that but I do have a short story collection coming out Holler Child in August of oh. 23 so a quick follow up um but I will also say that short stories are um I feel like my heart my that's, that's my love language, a short story. So I'm very excited about this collection.
0: Oh, that's great. I didn't know that that was coming up. Is it too early for people to pre-order if I link to it? or It's too um... early for them to pre-order, but I think
1: pre-order links will be made available. We've um, gotten past a lot of the um, early like revisions and cover. And as soon as that's revealed, I'm sure that... Um, they can pre-order.
0: Exciting. Well, um, yeah, I hope people um, do that. And if they haven't picked up Parish yet, I hope they head to their local bookstore or get it from um, your library. And um, Latoya, just thank you so much for coming on and congratulations again on the book and um, all the rave reviews and everything it's been getting. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your book tour. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoy this chat. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. And there you'll also find a link to our new online bookshop. Um, A Bookish Home has teamed up with the new organization bookshop.org, which supports independent bookstores. And if you'd like, you can browse books by authors who have been guests on A Bookish Home, I'm also sharing there all the books mentioned on the podcast, books I've been reading lately, and other recommendations. It's a really wonderful site to browse and look through books. And if you make a purchase, it supports A Bookish Home and independent bookstores. So it's a win-win. So if you want to check that out directly, it's bookshop.org slash shop A Bookish Home. And you'll also find that at abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.